This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul on a beautiful Friday afternoon here in Johannesburg, South Africa. Welcome, welcome to our radio family. Thank you so much for joining us here as we prepare ourselves for Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Yisrael, a very, very special Shabbos. It's the Shabbos, of course, where we read about Kabbalah Satoira and Svarim tell us that on the Shabbosos that we read about Kabbalah Satoira, we know three times a year on Pashas Yisrael and Pashas Vaskanan and of course on the first day Shavuos, a special, special Hashba, a special Kedusha, a special holiness comes down and we have the ability and the potential to receive and accept the, the Torah and rededicate ourselves to its learning and its study and it, and adherence to all of its tenets. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I just want to mention this week a subject we don't often talk about, uh, because, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's relevant to some people and not to others, but just this, this week's parasha just happens to, to, uh, lend itself to it, uh, with a comment of, of Shamshin Falhirsh, where the Torah at the beginning of the Pasha tells us about Moshe Rabbeinu and uh, his his family that his father-in-law Yisrael brought back his uh, his wife and his children to join them in in the desert, and the Torah tells us the names of Moshe Rabbeinu's children. It says Shema Echad Gerushim, the name of one of them was Gershom, Kiyomar, Gerhayisi, named because to remind him that he was a stranger in a foreign land, Veshem Ha'echad Eliezer, and the name of the one son was was Eliezer. And it sounds like really it should have been the name of the second son was Eliezer. The first son was Gershom, the second son was uh, was Eliezer. That's in fact how the Torah usually uh, uh, writes it or, or words it when it's discussing two things, the first and the second. For instance, so when we read, uh, on a daily basis about the, the Korban Tomid, the daily sacrifice that was brought twice daily, once in the morning and once in the afternoon. So it says, this, one sheep you shall sacrifice in the morning, and the second one you bring in the, uh, in in the after in the afternoon, why why do why does he call each son ha'echad? So Rosham Shnafal explains that uh, the ha'echad that is written for both Geshen and Eliezer is in fact to teach us that a parent needs to regard each child as an only child. Every child should be viewed as the only child you have, even if in fact. One has many children. So one shouldn't get to fall into the trap and say, looking at your children as a group and saying rather as, as in individuals. Because in fact, each child is unique in his own, in his own, uh, uh, uh special. And, and there are a couple of different ramifications, a couple of different ways of how we can, uh, we can implement that. First, perhaps to kind of see each child as one means to value each child that that we have, you know the the Mishnah in uh, in Sanhedrin says that Adam Arisha, when he was created, he was he was created by himself. He was created as a single as a single person. Why was he created as a single person? So the Mishnah says that everyone should say 
The world was created for me. Each person was, uh, the world was created for them themselves. This, in fact, uh, 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 is an allusion to the, I guess, the respect and, and, and the admiration that we really should have for every single child. Because each child is unique. Each child is special. No two children are, in fact, alike. Yes, there often, often are similarities between, between siblings, but as we know, they're not exactly alike, and sometimes, of course, they're vastly, they're vastly different. Sometimes you wonder if they actually come from the same, from the same family. Every child has their own, their own set of, of challenges, and their own talents, which of course makes each one of them very, very unique, and very, and very uh, special, and very deserving of our care and concern, and, uh, and, 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 and admiration. You know, uh, there's a story about uh, someone who wanted his uh, daughter to marry the, the, the best boy in whatever it was in a certain, in a certain yeshiva. And he went and uh, said that to the uh, Rosh Yeshiva. I want, who's the best, the best bocher here in the yeshiva? And the Rosh Yeshiva replied, look, uh, uh, I have 70 best bochum. And there were in fact 70 students in, in the yeshiva. But each is best in his own particular individual, individual, and that really is how parents need to value each one of their children. They should consider each child as if he's their best child, since every single child is, is best and, and great in his own, in his own individual way. When parents do that, when parents value their children, so you can believe it, the children are very, very aware of it. They, they know it, and that helps them than to value themselves and and once they value themselves then they have the ability to reach their true their their true potential and that's what a person has to know. He has to know that he's he's great and, and, and he can he can go very, very far. And if we tell them that then then they begin to to uh to to believe it. another aspect perhaps is that uh, seeing each child as if he's an only child as being one means that trying to find time for for every for every child, you know, Baruch Hashem, the, the families that they are not have uh, have many have many children, so you can't fall into the trap of saying, "Look, I I just don't have time for all of them," or you know, uh, uh, I I don't have uh, enough money to lavish and 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 you know, sort of take care of each one each one of them. The reality is, if if one thinks in in that manner. Uh, so then uh, it will almost inevitably end up with uh, some or one of the children either lacking their, their basic physical needs or certainly their basic uh, emotional uh, needs. Rather, one has to consider each child as, you know, if I have only one child, so I have, do have time. And that, and, you know, no one else to take care of and, and give him give him that uh, that uh, that time. You know, there's a medrash. In the beginning of uh, of Shemais, that says that uh, when Moshe Rabbeinu was tending Yisro's sheep in the desert, so it says that that one goat ran away. Moshe Rabbeinu ran after it, and then eventually they reached a beautiful green pasture where there was a stream of water for the goat to drink and to be able to uh, to quench to quench its uh, thirst. When Maishra Rabbeinu finally caught up with it, he said, ah, I didn't even know 
that you were running because you were thirsty, right? How, uh, you know, had I known I would have got your water. But now, of course, you've run, and now you must be so, you must be so tired. So Moshe carried the goat back on his, on his shoulders. Says the man, HaKadosh Baruch said, you have compassion on the, uh, on the cattle that belongs to human beings. Therefore, Hashem took a shavua, Hashem took an oath, and you're going to be the shepherd of my, of my sheep, the, the, Kaisal, the Jewish nation itself. And the, in this forum it says that, that because Moshe cared for each one of his sheep and for each goat, so he merited that he should be able to become the, uh, the shepherd of the entire, of the entire, uh, uh, Jewish nation because a, a, a parent and in fact a, a uh, any kind of uh, a leader must never lose sight of of the needs of every single person that he's that he's looking that he's looking uh that he's looking after. So it's it's valuing the child, it's finding some time for the child, and perhaps also maybe when we say viewing every child as being a one, as being an individual, perhaps it means treating every child differently. You know, with the unique path and the unique uh, insights needed to educate that uh, that uh, that child, you know, there's a there's a well-known uh, marshal. There was uh, someone who had one of these huge jailer, uh, 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 you know, types of of key rings with a with a hundred keys on 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 his ring. So, uh, someone told him that one of the keys uh, fits a lock on a certain on a certain door. So, of course. As uh, nature would have it, he had to try 99 keys, and they weren't the right, the right one. The door remained completely, completely locked. So at that point, he lost patience, and he said, uh, "So I already tried you know, 99 keys, and and it still doesn't, uh, it still doesn't open. I give up." And with that, he sort of uh, broke the door down. With a with a huge uh, with a huge axe, so of course this this person is uh, is foolish. <laughs> Why didn't he try the last? Why didn't he try the one hundredth uh, key? Apparently, that was the key that would have uh, opened finally the the door. So of course the nimshal is that there's a key to every single child's heart to to being able to understand him, to be able to deal with him, to being able to optimize. Him. So even if you tried all sorts of different approaches and none of them have been, have been successful to open your person, your own child's house, house to wherever it is, be it to, be it to Torah, be it to, to Emunah, be it even to, to Midas So it doesn't mean that there's no hope. It doesn't mean that, uh, that, uh, this child can't be reached. There are other keys, uh, in, 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 in the, in the bunch that might, that might fit. Try another approach. You know, maybe that, uh, Maybe uh, that one uh, is is the approach that will open your child's heart. You know, in in uh, in Kriyishma, so we say, you should teach Torah to your children. So Chazal say that this pasuk uh, uh, refers not only to one's children, but it means that not only one must teach Torah uh, to children, but also to one's students, because levanecha, your children can also be. Translated as your students. So, 
why are children called bonecha? Why are they called your children? So, so the Briskorov once explains that, uh, parents and, uh, and their educators often have a different approach when it comes to those they're, they're in charge of. Because if you ask a teacher, which student is the one that's most on your mind? So he'll tell you. Usually the names of the, of the best students. These are the students who listen in class and understand whatever they're teaching and, and they cooperate. So, so teaching them is, is a real, is a real pleasure. Now, ask parents which child is most on your mind and they for sure will say that it's a child who is, uh, who is struggling on whatever level he's struggling. Parents are always davening for that child, and they, they invest so much. They invest in their time. They invest effort. They often invest great deals of, of money to try to, to try to help them. So the Torah calls your students, Bonecha, says the Briskarov, to tell Rabbeim that they should be concerned and to help all of their students, and also even the the weaker ones, as a, as, as a parent, as a parent would, would help their children. That's what a, a Rebbe's obligation is towards, towards their own, uh, towards their own children. You know, it's, it's, it's possible that all the methods we've tried until now, you know, may, maybe the keys that open other doors, they may help other, other children, but it doesn't work for your child, right? Don't do anything drastic. Don't break down the door with an axe. Don't, uh, don't, uh, you know, give up hope. Always uh, be patient and uh, keep searching, and you will you will find the one that actually uh, that actually uh, works. You know, uh, sometimes one has to keep trying. Sometimes by using the the same approach uh, of chinuch again and again, and and in the end, uh, that approach might might work. You know, sometimes you have a a key. That, uh, gets stuck in the lock and it doesn't, it doesn't open. It is. It is the right key. And you know that it does work. So you have to keep trying again and again until it's, you know, jiggled around and, and, and try to, try to, uh, you know, maybe a bit higher, maybe a bit lower until eventually it, uh, it, uh, it turns, it turns the, the lock. And not always does one have to abandon ship and try something new. Sometimes you have to, you have to know what the best, what best approach is. And this is, uh, this is, of course, what it, what, uh, what Shlomo Melch says when he says, in Mishlei Chanech Lenar Al find the way to this particular child's heart, and, and then, as Hashem, you'll be able to, to, uh, to educate him. In fact, the, uh, on, on this Pasuk in Mishlei, which then ends, even when he gets old, uh, he won't, he won't uh, deviate it. So the Goyim on Mishlei says, says, a person has to train his child to perform mitzvahs, right, according to his individual teva, according to his nature. Because if he does that, even when he becomes older, he won't leave them. But, it says, if a parent tries to train a child against his nature, and, and, and do things the way maybe the parent wants to, but in a way that doesn't work for, for the, uh, for the child. So he's only gonna listen to you now because he's afraid of you. But when he reaches, you know, his own, uh, independence, when he doesn't have to listen to you anymore, then so then he's, then he'll, he won't, uh, he won't be able. 
to go against his true nature and he's going to abandon, abandon doing anything. In fact, the, the going quotes the Gemara in Shabbos, which, uh, which says that uh, someone who was born under a certain mazel, under a certain, uh, uh, constellation, under a mazel of madim, so has a nature for, for shedding blood. So the Gemara says she should become either a, a, a mile or a sheikhet or a doctor. So instead of going against one's nature, it's better to understand his personal tendencies and, and try to channel them and, and use them for, for, uh, for Avedis, for Avedis, uh, Avedis Hashem. And that's the, uh, that's the lesson of Shem Hoechod. Gershom, Shem Hoechod, Eliezer, each one. And, and Moshe Rabbeinu understood. Moshe Rabbeinu was someone who, uh, you know, was a leader. He had, uh, plenty on his head, but yet he was able to regard each of his children. And that's a lesson and, 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 uh, and a, something, an incentive for us to, to try to, to try to achieve. We'll come back after the break and carry on our discussion of Hilchas Erevin. This is 11.9 High FM, Soul to Soul on a Friday afternoon on the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. 11.9 High FM, we are back on your radio here in Johannesburg on a rather warm but uh, presentable Friday afternoon as we get ready for Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Yisrael. Uh, the important times for this coming Shabbos are uh, candle lighting tonight. Standard uh, Johannesburg candle lighting time is quarter past six. The latest possible time for candle lighting and the time that some shuls may use is 6.44, 16 minutes before 7, 7 o'clock. Uh, it's already getting a little bit... Uh, Earlier, uh, Shkia sunset is then at 7.02, two minutes past seven. Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 7.36, 24, 26 minutes, 24 minutes, 24 minutes before, uh, before eight, before eight o'clock. And, uh, yeah, as we're moving already towards, uh, towards Chodesh, Chodesh Adar, next week we'll bench for Chodesh. I guess it is only the first Adar this year we are. It's a leap year. This year we have two others, so you don't have to get frantic yet about uh, about Purim. You can have another month to uh, to worry to worry about about that. So last week we began a discussion, a a little bit about the concept of an eruv, just so we have a little bit of understanding. I said we're not going to go into all the details. It's it's quite complicated, quite quite complex, and and, and way beyond the the scope of our kind of a our kind of shear to learn it uh, uh, thoroughly, but just to get an idea of what what's here when you hear the terms, when you hear people discussing it. So, so just so we should uh, just so we should know what uh, what it is. We spoke last week about the different areas on on uh, of Shabbos. We spoke about the Shutarabim, the the public domain, which is, has certain qualifications, uh, and the the Shutayachid, the the so called private. A, a, a domain which is a walled area with fences of uh, at least 10, 10 tfachim, 10 tfachim high. Uh, and yeah, and we need to, we need to have that wall up in order to consider it to be a, uh, a, 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 a So the, uh, we've discussed actually, uh, uh, before that most 
of the halachic uh, authorities, most of the poiskim uh, hold that nowadays we don't really have uh, uh, what's called officially, as far as the Torah is concerned, a public, a public uh, a street, erishus, erishus harabim. Uh, there are um, there is an opinion that says that uh, it can only be a, a considered legally at Midaraisa if there are six hundred thousand people that uh, that traverse that uh, that street. Well, I don't know if there are too many streets that would have uh, that kind of heavy uh, heavy uh, 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 traffic, and therefore most of what we call the public thoroughfares, most of the uh, of the streets would only qualify as being a shusarabim as being a public area midrabanon on a rabbinic level. In other words, they would classify as what we call a a carmelis. Carmelis, we said, is that kind of hybrid area that is uh, somewhat similar to a shusarabim and a little bit similar to a shusayachet. It's it's neither here nor 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 there. It's in between, but it's basically, it's considered to be a shusarabim uh, uh, in on rabbinic on rabbinic level. Therefore, uh, you cannot carry in it. Chazam made a that just like in a real public place, you cannot a either transfer from a public or private domain into it, nor can you carry four amas about two meters uh, in it. And in order to make it possible to carry in that type of area, so because it is, it is only a, a, a drabonon, so Chazal said that in order to allow uh, transport and carrying in that area, it, it is sufficient to surround it. One doesn't need full walls. One can use something that's called a, a tsuras ha-pesach, which is, is, is in a certain kind of way a, a virtual type of situation, a virtual type of wall, but it creates a, a, a situation as if the area is surrounded by by uh, by by walls, uh, the 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 concept of of a tzuras pesach and and uh, the way the way it uh, it it looks so in order to create a tzuras pesach so it's really comprised of two types of two two uh, posts two uh, vertical two vertical posts and on top of that. There needs to be a a horizontal, uh, a, a lintel. So the 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 lintel, in order to create a, 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 the lintel, so that you can make by simply taking one one beam and placing it on top of the uh, of the vertical of the vertical poles, or it doesn't even have to be a beam. You could even take, let's say, a a piece of string. And uh, extend it over the two, over the two, uh, poles, and that already would create a, a tsurus apesa. It has the appearance of being the opening to an area, and that already creates, uh, 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 uh that creates a situation where one can now carry inside. In fact, the, the, the fundamental principle that governs the creation of a, a tsurus apesa is, that the the two pillars 
that are on either sides of the of the entrance and the the let's say even the piece of the piece of string that is uh, that is on top of them so they have to look like a doorway it has to have the two vertical bars and and the and the uh, the horizontal thing on top and uh, and once you have that and once you have a situation where the the uh, this this opening right uh and and it doesn't even have to be high it can be even as as little as as tent fachim high tent fachim is approximately 1 1 meter that's, that's all that's the entire height that it actually needs needs to be uh uh, uh that that would greatly create a tzuras pesach, and therefore one needs to be very very uh, careful that the the height of those pillars that are going to establish the sidebars of the tzuras pesach need to be at least ten tefachim, at least one meter one meter uh, uh, high, and therefore and also the the string the horizontal string that's that's uh, crossing that's crossing uh, over them also needs to be above uh, or, or more than a tenth or more than one meter so to speak above above the uh, the the ground um if that string uh, at any point where it's where it's being used uh kind of sinks and 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 dips below that uh, that uh, that height so it's part of it Kind of as forming a bit of a, a curve, and it goes below ten tefachim. So then, the entire length of it, from one pole to the next, the whole area between between those two uh, those two uh, poles. So uh, it's it's considered as if the 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 uh, string doesn't exist, and and then it becomes like a an open an open area, and then the uh, the uh because it has to be the entire thing has to be above above ten ten uh ten twachum. We'll come back with some further discussion about this in a minute, but now we gotta pay some bills. This is one one point nine high FM soul to soul. Don't run away. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. 101.9 Chai FM, we're back on your radio here in Johannesburg on Friday afternoon, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh Parishes, Yisrael. Thank you for, for joining us. We're talking about the mechanics of setting up a Tsuras HaPesach that allows an area to be considered like a private area in which one can carry. And we said that if the, the string connecting the two vertical poles dips below the minimum height of ten tefachim, so that area is considered as if there's no string. If, however, the distance between the two poles is more than in Allah, it's called about ten amas, which is about four and a half, four and a half uh, uh, meters. So then, the entire eruv would become would become uh, invalid because. Since ten amas, which is quite a large area, is now considered uh, uh, not circumvented by a by a string. It's uh, that that string is no longer valid because it it fell uh, uh, between between uh, uh, below below the ten the ten tefachim uh, mark. So then that that does creates a, a a major 
a breakage in the in the uh, in the Arab, and it actually uh, uh, knocks out and invalidates the entire the entire uh, Arab. And and since the the poles that are that are the basis for this Tzuras uh, Pesach, they they uh, are like become the the two sides of a gate, two sides of an entrance. So therefore, also. They have to be put in, have to be quite, uh, quite strong that, uh, they're able to stand, let's say, where a normal type of wind, we're not talking about a hurricane, but they could withstand a, uh, a, a normal wind that they wouldn't, they wouldn't shake, they wouldn't, uh, break or, or, or fall down in, in, uh, in, uh, in a wind. And of course, they have to be able to be strong enough to, uh, uh, bear some kind of a, a door, even if it's the most the most flimsy of uh, of uh, of doors, and even if they are able, they are strong enough to bear the most uh, flimsy of uh, of doors, even if it's a a straw door, a door made out of straw. So then that that already is sufficient, and they're considered kosher. They're considered valid, valid, uh, valid walls. Now. Uh, According to most of the of the uh, of the Paiskim, there is no uh, minimum or maximum size on the length of of the the opening. Uh, it doesn't make a difference how how wide apart the poles the poles are, even if it would be I don't know a, a distance of five hundred meters, let's say between between the uh, the the poles. So still, that Surah Pesach, if, if 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 all the conditions are met, it remains and and it remains completely completely uh, 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 valid. Um, the the Rambam is is of the uh, of the opinion that when uh, if you want to uh, surround, let's say, a a city or even most of a city, using these type of situations of Pesach of poles and and lintels or poles and and strings. So he says uh, you shouldn't have. The Rambam says one shouldn't have more than ten meters between each each pole if one's doing a very very large large area. And we we hold that certainly in the in the first instance where 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 uh, where possible. So. One should try to take into account this uh, very strict opinion of the of the of the Rambam and and try to have the poles at that uh, at that uh, length. But the reality is that since it's going to be very very difficult to uh, uh, be able to surround a whole settled uh, area and uh, and 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 all the cities uh, with with uh, poles that. Uh, one one puts up every every five meters because that's that's a very small area and it's going to be very expensive, very extensive, and and require many 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 poles. So many have the uh, the minute to to be more to be more lenient and uh, as says to actually erect the poles, erect the tzuras pesach with no minimum length and, and even if there's a great distance between uh, between the uh, the, the poles. Now, the 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 wire or the string that is uh, extended over the poles. So it has to be again 
has to be well connected to the poles that it shouldn't, again, in a normal wind, it shouldn't be able to, to, uh, to break. And wherever possible, one should uh, fasten it in such a way that it shouldn't move at all. It should be uh, uh, so firm that no wind comes at all and and uh, and and moves it. And again, uh, uh, it should it should remain taut above the level of the of the of the poles and not and not go go uh, go down it because uh, that's that is uh, you know usually doorways stay constant. They don't. Move it all, and that should be. But but in a Yevet situation, even if the string does shake a little bit or it sinks a little bit low, so the Mishnah Bura Paskins that it is it is still still kosher. Lots more to discuss, but our our time for this week is is over. So I'm just left with the uh, moment or two to first of all thank all of you for joining us and being part of our our radio family. It's such a pleasure to have you all on board, and then to wish. Each and every one of you, the most amazing, amazing Shabbos, a Shabbos, a family time, a family of, a time of investment, as we said, in your, in your children, in all those who, who love you, and in, and in oneself. And just to wish each and every one of you a beautiful, wholesome, and healthy, good Shabbos.